Welcome to Slice of Americana. I'm your host, Jacob Alloy. So, Americana is kind of a weird word, right? Um, and while it has a specific definition, it is still a pretty vague term. In general, it means anything pertaining to the culture and history of America, specifically the United States. But that's the thing. The culture of the United States is so wide and so diverse. It's the Cajuns of Louisiana and the Mexican-influenced traditions of California and Texas. And seeing as this is the first episode of this program, I wanted to see if I could tell some introductory stories of some friends of mine about what Americana means to them. Sort of a mini-anthology, if you will, a modern-day Spoon River. So this episode, you will hear personal essays and poetry about Americana. Please note, these stories are centered around what Americana means to the authors of each piece, all with differing views. To me, Americana is the want for the development of the voices of all people. So without further ado, our program. This episode is titled, Of Thee I Sing, Tales of Americana. The first part of our broadcast is a series of poems written by Reed Lusky. Here's Reed in his own words. All right. Uh, my name is Reed Edward Lusky. I'm an illustrator specializing in concept art, um, but I do like writing poetry and creative writing as well. And um, I'm originally from Oregon, but have since lived in Washington State, California, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. And so I do find myself drawn to um, stories of the intrepid and the wondrous. So the first poem uh, that I'm going to read, Lake Superior, I wrote while visiting the lake. And at that point, I had, I had only lived in Minnesota for about maybe, maybe just short of two years. And so the experience of visiting an enormous body of water that was inland was different because I was used to, to seeing a horizonless body of water and calling it the ocean or the Pacific Ocean. And so uh, partly just the vastness and the surprising vastness of Lake Superior prompted this story, and in particular, this uh, legendary sounding but very true account that one of the historians at a museum there gave me about the Edmund Fitzgerald, which was the famous ship that was wrecked, and the experience of the sailors who survived that terrible wreckage really did make me think, okay, so within the middle of this continent, there are these enormous lakes that are in themselves tiny oceans, and they have all of the majesty and all of the fear that an ocean really commands. And so the second one uh, was a little, a little lighter in scale. It's called The Day After the 2020 Presidential Election. And uh, I think like at least 81 million other Americans, I was feeling very uh, apprehensive that the candidate that I had voted for would triumph over the incumbent candidate. And so in feeling apprehensive, I decided to take a walk and I went out to these factory ruins near my house. And at the time I was taking an entomology class, so learning all about insects. And this butterfly landed on my finger and it really just made me think about, okay, so this day might, for me, be the culmination of four years of sort of head-scratching 
terrifying political climax, but really having that butterfly balance on my hand gave me pause as to, you know, the fact that this life form, the product of hundreds of millions of years of evolutionary history back to the Carboniferous period, really, really put things into perspective in an unusual but welcome way. Um, and then the last question I ask all of my guests is I just ask them to say in one to two or three words, uh, what is Americana to you? In one to two or three words? Well, I, I would say democracy would be one of them. Unfortunately, discrimination would be the second. But I think the third, honestly, would be audacity. Not, 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 in a, not in the sense of audacity as being pretentious or arrogant, but more the audacity of hope, that phrase that Barack Obama said. I love that. I think the audacity of hope, to me, does lie embedded in the chaos and uh, in the beauty that comes from Americana. Lake Superior by Reed E. Lusky. Rent but not soon gone from the gale, torn though I may be through calluses like rivulets in an iron ore deluge. Aboard my brother's boat, I didn't know the bones of our beast of burden would be picked by vulturine waves, screeching primordially the watchdogs of the ice lord's moat. The mother of our storm-swept suffering, beating us to the very core of our fibrous steel, oh, where might grace be found, enclosed by a continent swathed in hope, but no softness could slow that bone-crunching despair as the frigate ran itself aground. All this I saw blasted by the forked Dantean tongue of death itself, caught red-handed, as they say, for helping my fellow souls with a rope that cut my hands and froze the blood to my fingers like molded clay. They stood with me, and muttered snow-clenched thanks atop the ravaged point, all of us shouting our prayers loudly to be heard, before the lake could take them quicker than God and kill us even more. The Day After the 2020 Presidential Election by Reed E. Lusky It was a day that gave me pause to wonder if, perhaps, a benevolent oversoul really had painted the wings of the flittering life form at my fingertip. Hundreds of millions of years of evolutionary history. This moment, though, was not so long in the making. But its conclusion came as if from the Carboniferous, a bolt that petrified in oxygen's abundance and struck the stone-hearted one and downed his airless words. The butterfly was unabashed and clung to my hand as I stared, at storied wings, their designs unfurling as membrane met wind, and the insect was off. The day was bright with joy, a joy to alight upon, a sky to call home. It was a day that gave me pause to wonder if perhaps a benevolent oversoul made its home in the same heavens. That was Reed E. Lusky. If you enjoyed his silky smooth voice and you would like to check out more of his work, both visual and written, please go follow him on Instagram at reed.lusky.artwork. You can also go to our Instagram page and find his links and handles there as well. 
The next artist we are featuring on this anthology episode of Slice of Americana is Rosemarie Attile. She is a poet, essayist, journalist, and writer based in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Uh, my name is Rosemarie Attile. I'm 22, about to graduate um, undergrad, so that's exciting. Um, I'm a poet. I'm a writer. I love lyric essays. Um, I think writing for me came with learning English for sure. Um, before that, I wasn't, well, I was eight, so there's that, but I wasn't really trying to write or to create or anything, and I think like sixth grade was when one of my, um, teachers, my homeroom, like my main teacher um, in sixth grade was just really encouraging. And like, I remember I wrote this short story and I read it in front of the class. And like, after that, all my professors, teachers have been super encouraging. Um, I have been published like a couple times, most recently in an anthology called 22 Under 22. Um, and that's like very exciting to like see my words like in an anthology like printed on a page in front of me um I think for me I'm definitely like motivated by my emotions a lot um about motivated by things that are just like happening around me I people always say that to be a better writer you have to read and I did a lot as a kid I read like everything I would go to the library and get like specifically books that had I don't know like 10 in a series and like just like read that for a week until I got to junior high high school and like just didn't have time to read for fun anymore um I wouldn't say I had like any specifics but I just think overall reading a lot like growing up definitely like helped me um I in my like I don't know older teenage years I think reading stories like um where their eyes were watching God and like having conversations about those. And I was like lucky enough to like read those because I took like AP English and stuff and like not everybody got to experience that and then getting to college. And I read like Between um, the World and Me and like James Baldwin and like all these amazing like specifically like black um, poets and writers have definitely like influenced me to like have my own voice. And so when I'm writing, I usually unless I'm really stuck, I don't, like, write after reading somebody else's just so I can still keep my own voice, if that makes sense. I know, like, the, I don't know, proper definition is, like, things associated with the United States specifically, but I think, to me, especially, like, with this poem, Americana represents a goal that I'm working towards or a goal that everyone should be working towards that starts with like recognizing where we are in the world and like where we are in I don't know our history I suppose um as a country fuck your apple pie by Rosemary Attile in 2006 a Minnesota wind greeted me along with immigration services and howled the star-spangled banner for years, its howling was a frequency my ears could not understand. I heard silence, complacency, but it still howled. It went something like, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly is hailed as the greatest country on earth? 
<laughs> oh, say, can you see the rocket's red glare of bodies trailing from sea to shining sea? Can you see the perilous fight for freedom, for liberty, for the right to bear arms heavy with shameful history? Can you see giving annual thanks to murderers? Can you see generations birth to work? Can't you see? I heard nothing. Silence. Complacency. And every day, I would wake up and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the stolen land on which it stands, one nation built on the back of my enslaved ancestors, divisible as hell with liberty and justice for none. And one day, finally, I heard it. I heard it howling, finally, and the ringing in my ear caused me to go mad. So this angry black woman began howling. You want me to thank my lucky stars that the flag still stands for genocide and subjugation, for secession, for insurrection, that this flag still waves a green light for oppression, for racism, for homophobia, for sexism, for xenophobia, for the right for human beings to dehumanize other human beings? But God bless the United States of armed forces located in 70 different countries. They trample across the earth, bald eagle leading them, screeching, this land is my land, this resource is my resource, turning to his troops and they chant back, this land was made for you and me. From Burkina Faso to the Philippines, this land was made for you and me. And the bombs, bursting in air, give continuous proof to the world that colonialism and imperialism is alive and well. Oh, I'm ruining your apple pie, interfering with your manifest destiny. Oh, I'm manifesting destiny, all right. I'm manifesting universal health care. I'm manifesting the burning of red-lined white picket fences. I'm manifesting affordable education. I'm manifesting senators who do more than tweet. I'm manifesting abolition. I'm manifesting reparations because y'all Louisiana purchased Mother Africa's children and stole their identities. I'm manifesting waking up one morning and saying, I'm proud to be an American. Once again, that was Rosemary Attile. If you liked that poem, it was specifically commissioned for this episode of the show. However, a print version of it will be appearing in the anthology It Can't Happen Here, Reflections on January 6, 2021, through Moonstone Arts Center. Rosemary is also featured in another anthology called 22 Under 22 Young People Speak, which is available through Flex Press Publishing. If you would like to see more of her work, you can follow her on Instagram at rmatile. And if you would like to see her other handles, you can find those on our Instagram page. As we come to a conclusion of our broadcast hour, we are left with one more writer, Annika Best. She has written a personal essay. Here is her in her own words. My name is Annika Best. I am currently a student. Um, and I'm studying... Right now, um, I'm on the track of English and theater going into um, writing, like journalism work, specifically in social justice and social change. Um, and um, my background, I guess, I don't know. I, I grew up in a suburban um, kind of ideal city. Um, and from there, I, I never really liked it. 
Um, and I was always involved with like the kind of like weird kids stuff. Um, yeah. So from there, I don't know. I've just embraced being different and seeing and accepting people differently. I think a lot of that came from my background in theater. Do you think that that um, moving into kind of a um, a major U.S. city or being kind of on the outskirts of a major U.S. city, do you think that that has influenced at all how you perceive the world at wide and America specifically? I think in a lot of ways it has. I know I grew up coming to Minneapolis, St. Paul area a lot just because um, my family down here and like we would go to museums and other things in the cities. Um, so I was exposed to it, but always from like a visiting standpoint. So now to live in it, um, it kind of is some ownership over the things that happens and the change that is happening. Like I have now the power, a lot of, like, I guess that's part of adult life. Um, yeah, for sure. Too, because like the news is completely different. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's, um, it's an interesting point to make that it, it, it goes from being a kind of the tourist outsider view of a place into quite literally living in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've written a really interesting piece. Uh, could you just speak a little bit about kind of the context in which you wrote it and kind of what you hope to, um, the message you hope to get across with it? Yeah, um, so I received the prompt and I had like a million thoughts going into it um, of different types of like ways to kind of address it, different things I wanted to say. Um, I originally was going to write a poem and I kept like trying to throw around ideas and I hated all of them. I literally was like, this is trash, this is trash. And it was like, I think I started it, um, I was doing dishes and I had like this idea come to me and I was like, okay, I think it's just going to be an essay. And I was like, I'll make it work. And then I continued to do dishes, hoping that like the idea would just sit there. But I'm one of those people who like, once I have an idea, I'm like, I have to get it out or it's going to go away. I'm going to lose it. Um, so then I wrote something. And from there, I just continued kind of to just free write, see where it took me. Um, and then an idea actually started to like formulate. Um, and I think it was really, all of this was written for January 6th. Um, and the only reason I say that is because when that day happened, I was like sitting there. And the first thing I thought of as I was watching um, the people like storm the Capitol was my essay doesn't make any sense anymore. And I was like, I'm not even gonna look at it because I feel like this is just, I th- I don't stand by the things I said. But then I reread it um, a couple days later and I was like, yeah, this still stands and I'm okay with this. And um, I think they're, are moments that like you realize your essays, like when you're addressing these big topics or these big um, things in people's life or your own life that you're like, okay, what I'm saying could be taken wrong or it could be whatever, but I don't know. It's, I just really wanted to address that Americana in I think public school and like normal everyday people life is one thing. and it's kind of like this pretty, I say in the essay, it's like something to kind of just cover up everything else. Um, and I, I've i never really felt that way truly about it. So I wanted to get that across, but it's still not bad. Could you just in one to two, three words, could you just say what Americana is to you? 
even within the context of the essay, even outside of the context of the essay? Mm. Um, I think I say this in the essay. Um, so this might just be like a sneak peek to my essay, um, but I would really say it's about like change, one word change. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's really a place of growth more than anything. Retired and Replaced by Annika Best. If you were to ask what Americana meant to me when I was 16, my answer would have been pure angst. Things categorizing American culture didn't really resonate within me. At that point, the most patriotism I felt towards a nation I had lived since my birth was when I rolled my eyes at the 4th of July. It was not quite my style to stand in line, waiting for a bag of mini donuts surrounded by a sea of red, white, and blue-clad people guzzling down beer as if celebrating this nation was a God-given talent. However, over time, I have grown to understand American culture as a delicate matter, one of cognitive dissonance, or the matter of holding complicated truths simultaneously. I grew up in a historically geared household. While my friends went on vacations to Disney World and Six Flags, I was on road trips to battlefields, presidential libraries, and monuments, and museums spanning every topic imaginable. Before bed, my dad would read me biographies about scientists, explorers, and musicians. During the summer, my swing set was a warship, the White House, and a concert hall. I never thought much of it until I learned not everyone was raised this way. Truthfully, the history I was taught was far from complete, and I was too young to fully understand it all. But that did not stop me from feeling something was missing. I was curious, almost to a fault, and began to realize this country, taught to sc in school to be perfect and ideal, was far from it. I loved my childhood because it planted a seed of doubt towards my society. Aside from my household history lessons, a public school education taught me, brainwashed me, into believing Americana is blue jeans and baseball and the American dream. While this is true and comforting in some, some ways, I never really connected to it. I always felt a little fake, as if I was wearing a Halloween costume on November 1st, late to the party and overdressed. Today, I see American culture as a series of graves in an overcrowded cemetery. I say this with a sense of renewal. For a relatively new nation in the grand scheme of the world, the United States has lived and breathed and provided a home of acceptance and opportunity, at least for some. However, like all living beings, it ebbs and flows into a constantly maturing creature that leaves behind bits to be lost to the past. How does one capture a nation with such a loaded history without addressing the injustices and hardships? American culture is just as much about apple pie as it is about violence, poverty, and unrealistic expectations. America's foundation is out of the cinder blocks of racism, sexism, classism, ableism, xenophobia, homophobia, amongst other forms of oppression. Sure, this may not be the easiest lesson to tie into learning the alphabet or the basics of arithmetic, but why must we lie to our youth? Cognitive dissonance, proposed by Leon Festringer, is the discomfort someone experiences when holding contradictory ideas or when conflicting information is revealed. If children have the ability to think up entire imaginary worlds, they surely can and should be exposed to this idea of multiple truths, especially about the nation they live in. After all, what are we truly protecting them from? Americana provides a tranquilizer, 
It conceals the pain and injustices of the nation's past into an easy, consumable pill, painted to match a crisp American flag and fierce bald eagle. However, this concealing doesn't last forever. One day, most people wake up to the truth, so what's the point in hiding it? The truth is our reality... The truth is our reality is a sort of modern-day twilight zone, or dystopian novel that just keeps going without any let-up or pushback. We have constructed an idea of what American culture and characteristics should be, fed it wholly to our children, and never prepared for the fallout of the truth. If all people, adults and politicians, educators and the rich, could truly hold and recognize that our nation is both beautiful and wicked, maybe our youth would have a chance. But instead, as a society, we continue to pass along stories, ideas, and beliefs that conform that confirm nothing other than the polished, oftentimes male-dominated and whitewashed aspects of America. By omitting the people, moments, challenges, and triumphs that don't fall into this normalized category, we are drowning in a sea of complacency. The thing is, even after everything, the lies I was told, the truth that was absent from history books, the unchecked pain this nation creates, I don't hate America. I find beauty and truth in places still. I place flowers at the graves of aspects of the nation's culture that can be retired, remembered, and replaced. And I save a few roses to throw to all yet to come. Holding the truth of both the bad and the good, Americana to me in a single word would be growth. This country is far from perfect, but some part of me wants to believe that above all else, it is a place of constant change and possibility. Once again, that was Annika Best. Now, she doesn't have anything in particular she wanted to plug for herself. However, she has asked me to relay a message. Please support the arts, always and forever, but especially during the time of COVID. And now we end our broadcast. I would like to leave you with some parting thoughts of my own. Even though I haven't written my own piece for this anthology, I would like to point out that there was something I found, some sort of a common theme amongst all of our artists who were featured on this program, and that's hope and change. Now, mind you, most of these people have never met each other or don't know much about each other. However, they all decided to write upon a similar fixated theme, and that is Americana is change, ever-evolving, diverse, always looking towards the future. Sort of a nice sentiment, don't you think? This episode was recorded, reported on, and compiled by myself, Jacob Alloy, for Slice of Americana. I hope to be doing more of these programs in the coming future, but also trying out different styles of putting together an episode. My thanks to everyone who helped me on this project, whether that was behind the scenes or in front of the microphone. Special thanks, though, to our artists who all gave us amazing work for this prompt. I could not thank you enough. Rosemary Attile, Reed Lusky, and Annika Best. If you'd like to know more about these wonderful artists, please go onto our Instagram page where you can find all of their links and handles to their other work. The interlude music you heard is a original composition by my friend Kobe Orm. Thank you very much for that. And the music you heard at the top of this program is a royalty-free song called Hillbilly Music Bed. And the music you're hearing currently as our outro is a royalty-free recording of Arkansas Traveler by Nat Keefe and Hot Buttered Rum. 
Other than that, please subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you are listening. Go to our YouTube channel, Slice of Americana, and also go find us on Instagram, at Slice of Americana. No dashes, no spaces, no periods, no nothing. Kind of self-explanatory. That's all for this episode, and until I see you again, happy trails to you.